Hello, folks, and welcome back once again to the greatest podcast in all of junior hockey. It's one of a kind. We strive to make it that way. It is no accident. It's because we embrace the grind. And when I say grind, I, of course, mean the day-to-day, but I also mean coffee. And there's no man who drinks more coffee on the face of this earth than the man I'm about to introduce, literally bouncing in his seat, waiting to hear his name so he can talk. It's Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. Lucas, it's funny you even introduced me that way because I, I had a busy day yesterday working the Sunday away, and I might have gone, I might have overshot the runway with the coffee intake a little bit because I slept about 35 minutes, but I'm ready to go because what I did was I just put more coffee back in the tank and things are going well. I'm ready to talk hockey, and I couldn't be more excited to talk hockey. Then with our guest this week, Jay Witta of the Minnesota Blue Ox, a team that we continually on the Dan K show do not put as the top squad in the Midwest West and continually every darn time they beat the team we put above them. It's clockwork. It is. There are a few things in this world that are guaranteed the four seasons and literally Jay Witta and his Minnesota Blue Ox proving us wrong week in and week out. Coach, how are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. Not too bad. I need to catch up on the coffee, too. You're fired <laughs> up. It's great. Oh, this, this is it. what I do. I, I run at about 115 miles per hour all day. I'm Matt Foley down in the basement. Oh, we'll it. get I'm together. Ready to give motivational speeches. Yeah, we'll get along great. I love it. So, <laughs> well, thanks for having good. me on. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, no problem, Coach. We're happy to have you. With that, we're going to give Coach a second here as we got to pay those bills. As you know, Dan K, big coffee guy, Lucas Jones, big on the brewery scene. And we want those hockey parents around the country to know what our choices are when we grab that brew after a long day of work or have that coffee to get ourselves going for a long day at the rink. Lucas, let the folks know at home what you're drinking this week. Well, I am continuing the tradition by drinking something local to our team, and I have found me some Surly in New Jersey. Uh, Drinking the Furious IPA from Surly, it is unfortunately really the only beer you can get out here with the exception of the darkness. Um, This is a hop forward, very aggressive IPA. It's a little bit more on the English side. It does have some reddish amber uh, malts in it. It does use an English uh, yeast. It's classified with some of those flavors, but man, is it good. Uh, It's got this like hop citrusy kind of vibe, definitely a little thicker than you might be used to when it comes to an IPA. So I would say that, that this is a beer that if you really like your hazy New England style IPAs, this is going to be different. This is a little bit more of a malty beer with a bitey kick to it. Ooh, okay. A biting back beer. What do you, what do you give it score wise here? I really like this. Uh, it comes in at 6.7% ABV, which is nice because sometimes IPAs get a little too much. So I'm actually going to give this one a, uh, 7.7. I really like this beer. Surly is, I had an incredible experience when I was out in Minnesota at Surly. Um, the, the darkness is great. They make a coffee brown ale, which is so good. And I found out, Dan, that if you take the light rail in downtown Minneapolis, there are like a million breweries on the light rail. It's impossible to get off at a stop and not find a brewery out there. It's amazing. I love that too. You love, you always love that, that city feel that, that still has kind of a, a small town vibe to it. You can hit a brewery anywhere you go. 
that's what I love about like Cleveland too. You kind of get that vibe, you know, you love that, that when, then when you get into the Midwest, that, that Milwaukee feel and, and, you know, nobody from Minnesota is going to want to hear about Milwaukee, but, and I say Milwaukee, like I'm in like a Goodfellas or something like that. I don't know why my Jersey accent came out there, but I, Lucas, on the other hand, I've already done caribou coffee. All right. Cause we had Dan Bradley of the Minnesota mullets on, and you betcha, I love myself some caribou coffee. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I, I had a, a, mini, a Minneapolis airport layover or two booked just to get some caribou coffee halfway through my flights. But this week, I actually go back to a good old Target, or Target as it's called by some. Maybe not. Lucas, maybe not. Uh, but Good & Gather is a big brand that Target's pushing right now in terms of their coffee. And it's it's that in-house brand, similar to that Archer Farms that they run. And who does Target better than Minnesota? It's the home of Target, right? You got Target Field out there. And they are hitting the Target with this week's coffee, Toasted Almond from Good & Gather. You can get the Target, easy to find. It's everywhere throughout the building right now because they're really promoting it heavily on those end caps. It's delicious. It, I used to like the Dunkin' Donuts Toasted Almond back in the day. It kind of took a step back when they went to the squirters of the flavor instead of actually the bean being roasted with it. This is a toasted almond coffee bean. I put it in the espresso maker, Lucas, and I made myself a latte for today's show with some cashew milk, like a true bougie individual. And I give it an 8-1 in espresso form. This is a big one. Ooh, I feel like it's the great mix of not too sweet. It's a little more savory with the toasted almond mixed with some of that flavor. I think I might have to try that one. You should, but what we should all try is watching Minnesota Blue Ox hockey right now if we can because this team is on a warpath this season. They've got depth. They've got scoring. They stop the puck in bunches. And like we say all the time, they are a team that every single – they're the consensus pick every year in the Midwest-West is that team you're trying to avoid come playoff time. And we've got Coach Jay Witta from the Minnesota Blue Ox. Coach – How's the season been going thus far? Oh, so far so good, boys. Thanks for having me on. And, and uh, you know, it's it's getting a little darker here in Minnesota earlier. So about 445, I feel like I'm ready for a nap. But um, other than that, the, you know, the season's going well. Um, trying to figure out what we're at right now as we talk. I think, I think we're 12 and 2 or 11 and 2. Uh, 11 and two. And uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. So it's just, you know, just keep it going. And, and uh, the boys are rolling. Well, that's it. And we always talk about it. We call ourselves the curse of the Midwest West, because every time we've put a Midwest West team as the top squad in our power rankings, they immediately get beat. And it's usually by your squad. And this past week, we had our power rankings for the month. And we put the Moose at two, the Blue Ox at four. You immediately go out and beat the Moose and prove us wrong yet again. You've done it to us twice this year. You did it to us six times last year. Where does the success come from? Because you guys just tend to give the top squads in that really, really tough and difficult Midwest-West division so much trouble. Where does that come from? Wow, it comes from you guys. You got <laughs> You got you got to put you guys got to put us number one. What I mean, I don't get it. So the guys, the guys, you know, it's funny. We we have you guys written on our toolbox uh, award at the end of uh, each game. The guy that wins the toolbox gets to shout out Dan K's name, which is great. So it gets us, 
it gets us fired up. You know, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's, we have a good division, so it's, um, you know, to be battling with the moose and, and Hudson and the river Kings and the mullets and stuff every night is, is great. So, um, but I do not think you guys have ever placed us number one. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if that'd be a good thing or a bad thing for us. So maybe let's just keep going with what we've been doing and we'll all be safe. So we've, ne- we've never put yet number one. And I think at this point, we're going to start hearing from Brett wall and Marty quarters and, and coach Jonason out there. They're going to be calling us, telling us to do it so they could have a chance again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Reverse psychology. Go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But coach, I remember just two years ago here being out at the USPHL nationals and your premier squad going to the semifinals they were large. They were in charge. The speed was incredible. And they, you guys took it to some of the biggest names in the USPHL premiere. And you continually have this, for some reason, this underdog thought from, from around the league, right? It's the idea of, oh, well, the Blue Locks are really good, but are they the top dog out there? I mean, does does that add to it? I mean, on top of joking around about the Dan K show being on the toolbox, so what What's the motto in the locker room there? What's the feeling in the locker room for your guys on a day in and day out basis? Yeah. I, I mean, I think every year we go into building each team to be good. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, and, and, and so, you know, when the guys come to play for us in our organization, there's a, there's a sense of um, loyalty and, and culture that starts, you know, at the top from me and, and Bruce and Crystal and the ownership and stuff. And, and, and I think the guys like that and we're pretty um, consistent when we recruit uh, in the same kind of character kids. So, you know, I, there isn't, other than the first year, there isn't a season I've gone into wondering if we'd be competitive. You know, I kind of always knew we will be. Um, I try to handpick most of our recruits and stuff. So I'm not leaving that up to scouts or guys I don't know. Um, so I, I like to do my homework on the players and the parents. Um, but that first year, you know, being an expansion franchise, you know, that was kind of a 50, 50 deal. And we ended up having a really good year that year too. But, um, yeah, we just, we just want to be good. We have an, uh, one of our mottos is, you know, don't be average. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy to be average, be above average. And if not great, and, you know, things will go your way. So. Um, I think the room's pretty confident in that and we don't want to get cocky and, and we definitely want to be confident. So there's that fine line, but uh, I think we got a good group of humble kids that cocky doesn't, doesn't worry me. Um, so I think, you know, as long as we can keep the season going, we can keep grinding. Yeah. And you guys almost put a blue ox tattoo on me that year with yeah. that, that premier semifinal run. You guys, I know I had a deal um, with them that if they wanted, I'd get tattooed. Next thing you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm pretty safe. And I was watching that semifinal game. It was it was just awesome to watch. To watch the guys rally around each other in what I thought was the group of death in that tournament that year. And you guys rallied around each other. You battled through. And, again, I look at the team this year, and I see a lot of similarity. I see that ability to be big against the boards, to be speedy in open ice, to pass the puck, and to stop it between the pipes. Um, it that this team this year I mean you got to be feeling really good with what you put together yeah yeah no I think this is by far our deepest team it's our youngest team 
Uh, we have a lot of O3s, O2s, um, O1s with age out here being 2000, of course. But um, but I just think we're really, we're five lines deep and we have nine defensemen. And that we don't, we usually only carry seven, but with COVID and guys looking for good places to play, we just made sure everyone was on board with what we were doing and said, okay, if we have nine, we got to rotate guys and get guys in and get them ice time. And we have nine, I think of probably the best defenseman in the league, probably one of the best decors in the league. And so, um, so we're fast. We got small guys, we got big guys. So it's just, if you would have asked me two months ago, if we'd be 11 and two, I probably would have said no way, you know? So it, you know, cause we lost some big guns. We lost, we lost the crook. We lost Bullock. We lost Kester. We lost, we lost a lot of scoring. We lost our top two lines. So we have 18 new guys. So it's, you know, and you're like, okay, who's going to fill that role? Well, lo and behold, we've scored 72 goals and let in what, a 27, I think so far. So we're scoring goals and keeping them out of the net. And then our goaltending is solid too. So it's and good. It, it, I mean, you guys got some pretty incredible hockey lineage putting this thing together with yourself, with, with Bruce Boudreau behind the, behind the scenes here. I mean, what, what does that do for you in the building in, in terms of not just organizational culture, like you talked about, but player development. I mean, that's gotta be such a huge chip to have and a huge piece for a player's development to have an NHL legend involved yeah. in the organization. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, the first year out of the shoot, of course, is just instant credibility to our organization, which was awesome and stuff. And now, you know, going, this is our fourth year, um, you know, just having Bruce and, and Crystal. I mean, Crystal and I work day to day. Bruce is kind of busy, but, um, you know, he comes in and he meets the guys and, and uh, you know, now they just moved to Hershey. So they're not here locally, he and Crystal. So he's not in the locker room as much, but hopefully they'll come back over the holidays and, and visit with the boys and, and hang out. So it's, it's great. He's, he's funny. I, Bruce is so funny. He's so humble. And like, he'll come down in between periods and he'll be talking to me and my assistant coach, you know, Jason Wood and, and just go, you know, I don't, I don't want to pry. I don't want to tell you what to do, but maybe you should do this, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It comes with some weight when he's saying it, I'd say, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Bruce, I think we'll listen to you. That's okay. You're not prying. So, but he's just uh, a really humble guy like that. And, and that's, you know, I've had a lot of business partners in 25 years of business and um, I tell him and Crystal this all the time. They are by far the best business partners I've had uh, in four years. So it's it's been great, and we work well together. So that's awesome. Yeah, and he's just yeah. one of those people too. I mean, when you watch him do doing a post game press conference, you can just you just get that vibe that he's 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 a real person, right? Yeah. He is who he is. He is who he is on camera. He yeah. is who he is on the bench. There's not different versions of, of Bruce Boudreau, right? And that's that's what you got to love about anybody. When you get to this level of the game, when you get to the NHL, you love knowing what you're getting, and, and that's exactly who he is. Yeah, no, totally. He's he's as genuine as, as they come. So I'm thankful. He's been a great mentor, and, you know, he's he's taught me a lot about coaching. And and so whether he believes that or not, he has, and, and I do listen to him. And, and I got Brady – 
you know, I've been with Brady five years now. It's like, I've kind of been a, a dad to Brady. You know, I coached him the one year in the NA three, and then we bought the team and coached him for two more years. And now he's coaching with us. So Brady's like a son to me. And, uh, you know, I listen to him too. He's, it's funny. He doesn't thinks he's a rookie coach, but he's got a lot of great ideas and he makes you think, and that's what good assistant coaches should do. They should make the head coach think. And, uh, you know, other than, you know, I was dictating what's going on. If you listen to your assistant coaches, you can become a better coach. So it's been great. And that's so great. And that's something that's such a great trait to have as a head coach as well, to want to be challenged, right? You, you can't have a dictatorship and be successful in the game of hockey. You need to be able to lean on the entire bench, the entire organization. And that's something we're going to dig into here. I'm going to let Lucas Jones take the Q&A away because if I keep talking, I'm going to run through a wall. Lucas started up Q&A with Coach Jay Witt of the Minnesota Blue Rock. Thanks, Dan. And, you know, I, I always like to start at the beginning with coaches because I think one of the one of the strengths about the USPHL is their ability to, you know, attract this top tier talent and, and make sure that these coaches that coach these teams are some of the best, the best. So, Coach, I want you to start off just by talking about your hockey career as you're going up. You, you played with some some big name programs and had a lot of success. Yeah, yeah. So born and raised uh, in Minnetonka, Minnesota. So. Uh, Minnetonka for you, the East Coast guys is it's one of their premier probably hockey powers in Minnesota. I'd say a top ten in high school hockey. So, and we were back then. It was mid eighties. I played eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven. Um, got to captain my senior year, all conference, all that good stuff. But I got to play with two uh, two NHL draft picks that year, Tim Hannes, and who was my line mate, and then Dale Rail, our goalie, who was drafted by Philadelphia that year so we had good teams and uh, um, from there I got recruited to go play at St. Cloud State uh, by Herb Brooks they were D3 at the time and um, and the next year they were going independent division one to be this I think the third school in Minnesota we had the U of M and UMD at the time so um, so I went up there and didn't make it as a forward, but made it as a defenseman. Uh, and after about two weeks, Craig Dahl and Mike Eves asked if I wanted to go to Humboldt, Saskatchewan, and play for the year at forward. Um, they were also bringing in uh, a couple other St. Paul Vulcan D at that time, so I wasn't going to play a lot. So, um, so I went up there and then played uh, three months for Humboldt in Humboldt. Um, it's looking back, it was a great experience at the time. I was pretty homesick. The, the twins were winning the world series in 87 and <laughs> my girlfriend was pretty hot back at St. Cloud. So I was like, yeah, you know, what? Saskatchewan. I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, after about three months, they wanted to trade me to Minot and I said, nah. And with that, I kind of retired at a undetected heart. Uh, problem as well at the time so so I went back to St. Cloud State and and figured out I better uh, study marketing so that's what I did there on the hockey end well that's you know it we we thought it was already an interesting and, and successful hockey career and then you start dropping names like Herb Brooks on us coach with uh <laughs> with, yeah. with no inflection whatsoever that's that's an incredible story 
yeah no it was pretty cool you know and this was way before the movie you know so now i look back and i see what he said in the movie about you know not looking for the right player or the best players looking for the right players so i was i kind of am that way too when i scout and recruit so it's it's i don't want the kid that played triple a and i don't want the kid that had 80 goals you know or 80 points a year for four years or at the squirt level or whatever it's 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 more um can that player fill a hole for us and is he a team guy and then b you know um what kind of uh lineage does he have character wise from family genes that kind of thing so herb was the same way and so i feel pretty honored to have been recruited by him because I definitely wasn't the best player. <laughs> so, so, you know, for me to be one of those right players for him and asked to come up to St. Cloud State was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like that, that goes into, you know, what you've already talked so much about with the way that you, you know, coach the guys and with the way the locker room is set up. Um, so I wanted to, to shift the focus a little bit to the developmental side of things, because one of the the feathers in your coaching cap, and there are so many uh, that you've had throughout your career as a, an owner and a head coach is having over 30 players move to NCAA and ACHA teams. Um, and it, it feels so fitting too, because the USPHL prides itself on cradle to college, moving kids to the next level. And as we've talked about on the show, same the same idea of finding players the right fit right ncaa acha both have exceptional hockey programs you just need to find the right one for you um so the question that i have is is what do you do to make sure your players are seen and coming from a hockey hotbed of minnesota does that look a little bit different than it might look somewhere else well i don't think it looks different i mean you know, luckily I have a marketing background, Lucas. So I own a, a marketing company. And, and so I always tell my players, number one thing in, in life is marketing 101. And whether that's, you know, marketing yourself or your skills or a product or, or whatever, it's, it's uh, no different being a hockey player. And, and I'm not saying market yourself to be more than what you are. That's not it, but you need to get out there. And, and I just, you know, I kind of preach that and then I help, you know, um, you know, so I have a pretty close knit band of college uh, coaches that I kind of work with and I trust them. They trust me. That's the key. They know that if we are sending a player to them, that that player is going to excel on the ice and academically not be a problem. Um, that kind of thing. Cause that's the last thing those coaches want. So um so and that just takes you know that's taken six years to kind of develop I've been coaching at the junior level for six years but um you know so I have those trusted uh coaches I like to work with and then helping the kids present themselves uh in a professional manner so we're doing it right now we're we're working on a script for them um you know to contact coaches themselves because mom and dad shouldn't be doing that I shouldn't be doing that uh, until I need to, and then, uh, and then putting their video clips together. So we use Instat, which is phenomenal, um, for all our video, uh, game video. So, and they got all the clips they need right there. They download the clips, string them together, put in the text, put a little music to it and boom, 
send it off. And I tell them it's like fishing. I always ask them, Hey, you go fishing last night. And they're like, yeah, I threw out about five or six bobbers, you know? And so, I mean, that's really what it is. And then coaches, I know when I get those videos, I'm like, Hmm, I like that kid. I like the way he plays. I like the way he skates. I'll contact him. So, so that's really, I mean, we're not building rockets, just kind of getting them out there and, you know, they need to be able to pick the school they want or are interested in their price range, um, their academic program, their major, that kind of thing. So we always say, you got to go to school. The first most important aspect would be a great campus. The second aspect to what school you go to is you're going to study what you want to study. And then third is hockey. So um, it seems to work out pretty good. So I know that's what I'd want my kids to do. So we just kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, also it's, it does seem to be working out, you know, quite well. And, and we've, we've obviously seen the success, um, especially, uh, especially, you know, throughout the, the time that we've seen you in the USPHL. Um, I want to move on to the team that you've got now. Um, the, the, the preface that I always give coaches is you don't have to give away the farm, but I do want to talk a little bit about your team identity uh, the offensive side, the defensive side. Do you feel the Blue Ox have a specific identity, a, a specific, you know, sentence or two that describes the way they play? Uh, just together. I mean, it's it's crazy. I, we've been down, we've probably been down in four or five games, and it's just they don't give up. They don't get on each other. They stay positive. They just keep working and you know, we've been down two or three to a couple teams and come back and beat them. So that's, that's what I love. We, and we're not reliant on, um, yeah, granted Clough line, Clough's line and, and Maz and Mac are playing really well, but we beat the Moose 4-2 a couple weeks ago and they didn't have a point. So, I mean, you know, that's good, you know, so it's, it's, um, so I would say together, I mean, it's just, that's how I describe them. It's just, that's, no superstars, a lot of above average hockey players, great character, and they play together. Yeah, and it, one of the things that strikes me, and, and we talk about it on this week's video show as well, is how disciplined the team is and how impressive it is to be able to be as successful as you guys are against these difficult-to-play teams and not take seemingly any penalties. I think that's... Yeah. I always joke that, or we always joke on the show that I'm the boring guy who cares about defense and discipline. And Dan just wants to see a 10, nine hockey game every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I, I love watching that. You, you have two great goaltenders, um, Castelletti and Hagland. These guys are saving stuff left and right. The team doesn't take any penalties. Where does that discipline come from? Where does that defensive mindedness come from? I'll, you know, I'll get back to our decor. I just think our decor is really solid this year and really deep, you know, so, and we're really young. I mean, we got two, 2003s that are playing big minutes for us. And we only have one 2000 that just got here from Sweden, you know, and so we're really young. Um, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's hard to like pick one guy, uh, the discipline, I mean, the less penalties, I think that comes from us as a coaching staff. I mean, it's just that we preach at from day one at our boot camp that we do over the weekend is, you know, um, 
you're only as good as the guy sitting next to you. And, and if that guy's an idiot, you're in trouble, you know? So it's like, you know, um, so, and, and the kids take it to heart and it's, you know, we always say, don't be that guy. Do not be that guy that ruins it for 21 other guys. You don't want to be that guy. So, um, and then I have a little rule that, you know, any stupid penalties, you know, two minutes become six and they know what that means, you know, so they go serve their two and they come back and they sit for another four, you know, and so that, yeah. And that's on dumb stuff. That's on retaliatory stuff for, you know, yapping at the refs or, or whatever, it's won't be tolerated. So we try to eliminate that the best we can, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. And once again, it comes down to recruiting good kids that'll listen, you know, um, and we got that. So knock on wood, it's, we got a really good group. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, we've, you know, as the season has progressed, as the winds keep getting racked up, it's just become more and more impressive what you, what you guys are doing. And part of that is the way that you guys just keep making Dan and I look like fools on the power rankings every month. And it was, it was obscene last year with, I think Dan mentioned six times it's happened again this season. Uh, So the first question, is it personal? Do you do you guys just don't know don't like us and try to mess up what we're doing? Uh, because that's the way it feels like coming over here. Oh, that's funny. I told you you're on our toolbox. So it's 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 you're doing something right. No, it's funny, you know, it's just um, you know, you guys put on a great show and it's it's great for the league, and we love the way you promote everyone. So it's it's uh, you know, no, it's not personal. You guys are good guys and you work hard and um, but I'm just I'm just hoping this might be the year that we get back out to nationals barring any COVID stuff and can actually claim the number one spot. Cause I just, I really, I like this team and uh, they just keep getting better every day. So if we can keep the season going and hopefully put some of this stuff in the rear view, um, I'd love to see you guys in March. So yeah, I think I think we'd love to do some some Blue Ox games at Nationals. I think that would be a, a lot of fun. I've got one more question for you, then I'll turn it back over to Dan. Um, you know, just following up with some of the Midwest West stuff, we always like to get a sense from the coaches themselves on how difficult this division is and just how much talent there is year after year after year. So sort of from your own perspective, what is it like to have to play in this Midwest West division against Marty quarters and the river Kings against Brett wall and the havoc and John Jonathan and the moose and all of these coaches and all of these powerhouse teams. Does it, does it become the, is it the grind or just does it wear you down over a season? No, that's, I mean, that's what you want. I mean, it's, it's, and we were talking about that Skradsky and I today at the workout this morning and Scrads is like, God, look at coach. Our, our, our top, our top 13 games were all against the Moose, the river Kings three times, the Moose four times. I mean, it, it was like, yeah, we had Rochester here a couple times and, and Dell's once at the showcase, but you know, it wasn't like we had a really easy schedule, you know? And so, so, and I told him, I said, that's Scrads. You don't, you want it to be tough every night that's how you get better and and so um so I like it I mean that's you know we have nine teams in our division so I I would say 
any given year, the top five are usually really solid, you know, um, and everyone has a bad year here and there. So, um, so, um, you know, I think it's what uh, players like too, as far as being attracted to the teams in our, our division as well. So, and being in the state of hockey helps too, with a lot of, a lot of D1 colleges and NA teams and, you know, um, that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good. You want to, you want to push yourself. So that's what we preach. Now, coach, you talk about being in the marketing industry. And, and one of the things I remember about the launch of this Blue Ox organization and team was the logo when it popped up and, and the jerseys and the sleekness of the look and the video content you guys pour out there that really showcases top, a top-notch facility, top-notch staff, a, a great organization, and really the, the professionalism, it, it just exudes from everything you guys do, whether it's, it is the video content or you go to blueoxhockey.com and check out the, the whole group there and everything you guys are doing. Can you kind of talk about, were you a part of the, the, the logo creation? Were you a part of this all? How, how did you guys come to terms with the blue ox? I mean, where did it all come from? Yeah. So no, that's, that's what I do. So I'm a graphic designer by, by school and trade. So the marketing company I own, I, I started in 97 on my own and, and, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what it is. So I did the logo actually about a month and a half before the team was even announced at a little coffee shop in Excelsior. So, and there used to be a, a team called the Minnesota Blue Ox. Uh, I think it was an AHL team uh, way back when and back in the eighties, early nineties. And, and so I was like that name. Um, and so I designed that logo. <laughs> so that's my logo design, but, uh, um, and one of, you know, I don't do a lot of work for our company. Now I got younger guys that are much better than me, but, um, you know, that one I happened to do. And, and then, yeah, the, the video and the professionalism and, and, you know, Bruce and Crystal and I, we really wanted to, to run the Ox like the mini NHL team. And, and that's what we do. I, I mean, we got great sponsors. We got, great clips. We got warrior hockey. We got, you know, Geico, we got RJ Stike. I mean, we got, you know, we got tons of really good national sponsors and they help us out financially. And, and we try to pour that money back into the kids and the experience. And that helps us produce the video content, um, which my company does too. And my son actually Bennett, um, does a lot of our videography for us. So it's a family affair type deal. So it's awesome. So, um, but it's not hard to do things nice nowadays with technology. So um, look at you guys. I mean, it's like you're doing it all, you know, podcasts and YouTube broadcasts and all that good stuff. So if you just put the time and the effort in and stay consistent, you know, um, good marketing things happen. And we have a docu series out right now. That's really catching wind and, and, you know, it's going to be a 10 episode series. We're on, uh, we just aired episode two last week and every two weeks we'll be launching another episode. So, uh, it's really, it's kind of like the last chance you, um, of junior hockey. Um, if you've ever watched last chance you on Netflix, uh, it's, it's, it's good. And, and we want to keep doing this year after year and then following the players on afterwards as well. We'll have Phil Shader on later. Um, we're going to go find Oscari Halmi in Finland on a Zoom call. 
and talk to him. He's playing in the second level pro league in Finland right now. And so it's going to be fun. So, yeah, no, I love it. That's why I love your guys show. I mean, it's just marketing is a blast. And if you drink enough coffee, you can get 20 hours in. Right. Right. Dan? That's, it. So, That's what marketing's about. It's about not sleeping. Right. If you don't close totally. your eyes, you could always be working. But you get fired up. I mean, you just get fired up, and it's it's fun. So, and that's what that's what I love. And, and to the parents and players listening to us right now, I I stress this all the time. It's what the USPHL does so well. It's it's what the Blue Ox do so well. It's the idea of player development is obviously important. It's monumental at this level. Building the player on the ice. But I can have the greatest restaurant in the world if I'm on a street corner somewhere that no one can find and you can't park by it and you never try it. And I never tell you to come try the food. You're never going to know I have a successful restaurant and that that food's not going to be found. What you guys are doing there with the, with the Blue Ox coach is it's next level because you're not just creating the talent that is needed, but you're also shining a spotlight on that talent every minute of every day from the moment you guys wake up and get out of bed till the moment you're going back to sleep for your couple of hours before you go do it again. And coach, I got to tell you, I, I just, I love watching what you guys do and, and it's really, really fun for us to watch here as a show. Oh, thanks you guys. Appreciate it. And it is, it's fun. People ask me, you know, what, you know, whether it's my marketing company or, or um, the blue ox, I, I'm doing what I love and, and I love design and I love marketing and I love hockey and I've loved hockey and it's in my blood. So I'm pretty fortunate. I, it's not even like going to work. It's just, it's, it's just going and having fun every day. And, uh, you know, you have your ups and downs, of course, we're human, but I mean, it's, it's for the most part, it's pretty blessed and, and I wouldn't change anything for the world. So now, Coach, I'm going to give you our final question of the Q&A before we'll go to the educational corner with Lucas, and then we'll get your right. parting words after that. But I wow. give every coach this, every owner, everybody this question. I think, we've, I think we've spoken to it a lot, but why pick the Minnesota Blue Ox? If I'm a player, a parent looking for that next perspective step in my career, why should I pick the Minnesota Blue Ox organization? Um. Gosh, that's tough. I don't, I, you know, because there's, there's good aspects of every, every organization. And, and so I don't, I don't want to toot our own horn. I, I guess that the main, the main thing I stress to parents and kids is if, if we handpick you to sign a contract early and join our team for the following year, we're true to that. And we're loyal to that. And, and so like this year, for example, with, with all the USHL and NA guys dropping, um, you know, USHL down to NCDC or NA, and then and then the NA NCDC guys dropping down to tier three, I, I've probably gotten 15 calls from tier two guys looking for good tier three spots and I have to say no. And and so that's our loyalty commitment to the guys that commit to us. And and I just, I saw that in my first few years uh, or a lack of that in, in coaching junior hockey when I didn't own my own team. And I said, you know what, when I own my own team, we will never do that. And we will commit to the guys that commit to us because um, it's just a character deal. And our job is to make them better as hockey players, not, 
not give up on him after five tough starts and throw him to the wolves, you know, and take the next guy coming down off the rack. So, so um, that's kind of, I think what makes us different Our rotating, our door isn't rotating all year long with players. You can go check the X's on our website. We have zero. And um, you know, if we have two or three a year, that's, that's a bad year for us. So um, I think in, in four years, we've, we've only traded or released four players, five players. So pretty unheard of at any level of junior hockey. So I'm pretty proud of that. That's awesome. And I, that's, that's what you look for, right? Parents and players. I mean, you, you look for that, that promise that you'll get your fair shake. You'll get your opportunity. You'll get your shot. And we're not promised anything. We're not promised a top line position. We're not promised 20 points a year plus. We're not promised that spot in the net in the big game. But what we are promised is an opportunity when you're in the right situation. And coach, what you guys are doing, it's incredible. I'm so pumped about it. Learn more about the Blue Ox at blueoxhockey.com. We're going to go to Lucas to remind the players and parents that it's not just about what you do on the ice. It's what you do off the ice as well and in the classroom. And then we'll come back with Coach Jay Witta for his parting words. But Lucas, take it away educational corner. I always like to share something on the educational corner that is extremely relevant, either with something going on or something that has happened to me as a tutor um, and as a college advisor. And one of the things that, that I was helping a student work through is some anxiety, some anxiety around the idea of choosing a major and choosing a place to go now. Um, and so some hockey players out there may be 20, 21 years old before they go to college, and some may be going at 18 years old. And so this is, this is for everybody out there. You, in a sense, have never had to do anything quite like this before, which is to pick a place to go. And it may be helped by which places will give you a, either a hockey scholarship or a spot on a hockey team. But even once you get there, picking a major, which is essentially going to be what you're qualified to do for the next few years. When you first come out of college, the major is what people are looking at when they determine if you're qualified for a specific job or not, especially if that job requires specific education. That process is anxiety inducing, and that is okay. And that is one of the things I tried to tell my student this week and everything, or what I'm trying to tell all of you as well. It is okay to feel anxiety about choosing a career path. It is okay to feel anxiety about choosing where to go. But the most important thing in this moment is to power through that, get your applications done, completed, get your acceptance letters back, then you can choose. Then you have a moment to breathe, a moment to say, let's do a virtual tour. Let's contact the admissions department, see what I wanna do. Let's find some more information. And barring that, sometimes wrong choices are made and that's okay too. And you get to a place and you don't care for it or it wasn't what you had been told, it wasn't what you were promised. And it's okay to say, I need to do something else and make a change. So to everyone out there who's feeling anxious right now as we move into December of application season and those early action priority deadlines are coming up, relax a little bit, focus on finishing your applications. And then once acceptance letters come, then you can make the big decisions about where to go. I like Lucas throwing the word relax in there to a guy with like eight, 18 ounces of coffee flowing through him <laughs> right now. I, I will try my best, but coach... We've had an incredible time with you. We have our parting words each week. I'll let you avail the folks here to your parting words. What are your parting words, Coach Jay Witta, Minnesota Blue Ox? Well, I just I want to wish everyone a 
uh, happy holiday season coming up here, Thanksgiving and, and I'm going into Christmas and, and, uh, unfortunately can't come out to Boston this year. That showcase was canceled for us, but, uh, you know, just keep, uh, just keep grinding everyone. It's, it's, it's going to get better. And, and you know what, every day is a good day and the kids are at least playing and, uh, we'll just, uh, keep our fingers crossed that, uh, 2021 rings in a lot more, uh, a lot more hockey for us. hundred percent. I, I agree with yeah. that one fully. And, and my parting words this week, folks, I always like to kind of keep it with our guest. And I'm going to go with a quote that I liked from William Jennings, Brian. It's, it's destiny is no matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. And, and what I want to remind all our players is, you know, we always talk about these destined teams, these teams that are undefeated, these powerhouses, these dynasties. And dynasties don't become dynasties. They don't become winners. The blue oxes of the world don't become perennial winners without hard work, without putting themselves in positions to win. To me, luck has never been a thing, right? Puck luck, superstition, totally. I'm superstitious at times. But the word luck it usually comes into play when someone's put in hard work and put themselves in a position to succeed. Put yourself in the right position to achieve that destiny, to become that dynasty, to be a winner. That's on the ice, that's off the ice, that's in the classroom, that's in the weight room. That's marketing yourself to coaches, scouts around the country, you have to put in the work. There's always somebody trying to outwork you. Don't let it happen. The Blue Ox certainly don't get outworked, and that's why every week we hear about just how tough it is to play the Minnesota Blue Ox. Coach Jay Witter, you want to find out more about the Blue Ox, again, go to blueoxhockey.com, go to usphl.com. This Blue Ox team is the real deal. It is going to be a battle to the finish in the Midwest West. Remember, we thank Elite Junior Profiles. That's EliteJRProfiles.com for being a presenter of the Dan K Show. Find out more about how to take your recruiting profile to the next level with EliteJuniorProfiles.com. Also, the Dan K Show, www.DanKShow.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at the underscore Dan K Show. And we thank the best league in the world, the USPHL, for letting us put this on. When Dan K is on the mic, it's always Hockey Night.